Amen. That was really fun. And worshipful and fun and beautiful. How are you guys doing this morning? We've got three people doing good, one person having fun. I'll try it one more time. How's everyone doing this morning? All right, all right. It's a little bit warmer response there. Uh, my name is Kenny. I am one of the uh, one of the pastors or elders here. Um, I am the youngest, so I try to compensate with that by beard length, and we'll see how I'm doing. Um, I actually may need to trim it soon, but uh, please don't be distracted by the redness today. I'm very glad to be with you guys and. Uh, Just a quick intro into what we're doing. If you've been here the last few weeks, you know we're going through this series called And So We Give, and we're talking about uh, five different capitals that that the Lord has given us, each one of us, five different areas of our lives that He's given us capital for us to invest in His kingdom and to see fruit and to see increase. And so the first week, Tom, who is uh, sick today, um, he did a great job just talking about financial capital and how to how everything belongs to God and nothing is ever going to change that. So we can steward our finances in a way that gives glory and honor to Him. Um, and then Vince last week did an awesome job um, talking about intellectual capital and how we can love the Lord with all our mind uh, and everything that He's given us to that realm. And so this week, we are actually going to kind of do a... Uh, tag team sort of thing. Anyone heard of tag team style preaching? No? Anyone? Okay. A few people. Um, Zach and I are actually going to tackle two subjects because um, the next week we're going to talk about spiritual capital and then the next week we're going to gather it scattered so we won't be here. So we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to talk about physical capital, which is um, our time and energy that the Lord has given us. And he's going to talk about relational capital, which has to do with relationships. Um, I just like to state the obvious. Um, But yeah, if you would turn to Matthew 25, we're going to be there in just a minute. And I want to begin by asking you the question, how long ago was it that someone asked you to come to a party or participate in some kind of social event or help help somebody move or something and you had to say, I can't make it. I can't, I don't have time. I can't make it. I wish I could go. Anyone? Come on. We're in San Diego. (laughs) It happened for me like several times this week, especially in the Christmas season. Right. Um, we're, we're busy people. We generally have lives that are full of activity and, um, work, play, rest, Party, work, work. We read about work and then we work some more. We don't always have the time. I don't have the time. Sorry, I can't make it. But in reality, we all have the same amount of time every week. We all have, we all are given the same amount of time every day. Now, we may not live the same amount of time. (laughs) That'd be easier to mark off like (laughs) what we do with our decades, right? So we don't know how long we're going to be given in the same amount of time, but you and I are both given 24 hours every day last week, right? Amen? Okay. And 168 hours in a seven-day period. And we've been given free will to do with our time what we want to do, what we choose to be most necessary or most beneficial or... um, 
most comforting or most enjoyable. We have the free will to do with that 168 hours every week what we want to do. And in America, we fought for and been given and believe in almost total individual freedom and to choose what we do with our time. And, and it's actually a beautiful thing because it's part of what makes us unique as people and different is what we choose to do with our time and energy. For example, you could have the same person could have a completely different career, occupation, kind of outlook on life, depending on what they pour their time into, right? So you could have someone, the same person could be a mechanic or they could be a doctor, but it's going to be hard to do both, right? Because they've got to focus and pour their time and energy into learning something and investing themselves into that. Does that make sense, right? And the, the only thing that's changing them from being something else or having another occupation is where they're putting their time and energy. So the question is, how are you spending your time? We say that all the time. How did you spend your time? That's, a, that's actually a financial term. Think about it. It sounds like money, right? We're talking about these capitals. How are you spending your time? Because where you spend your time reveals your priorities. It reveals what is most important to you. Where you spend your time and energy reveals your priorities. It's the same with all the other capitals that we're talking about in this series. But, for example, all right, it's Sunday morning, and you are where? Where are you? You're here? Okay. <laughs> that reminds me, wherever you go, there you are. That's where I go. Wherever you go, there you are. All right. Um, amen. But you are here, <laughs> and you're at a Sunday gathering, right? Um, which tells me that it's important. It's important to you to be here because many people and most people in our culture think Sunday morning is a time to either sleep in or do whatever you want. Uh, just be free to, um, to spend it however you wish. But because you're here, it shows me something, at least to the effect of... Thank you, Marco. He's helping me out with this ring. You guys hearing that ring? You want to use the mic? Okay. He's going to be on it. Um, it shows the importance that you're here. Um, if you like to go to work during the time that you're scheduled to work, does anyone like to do that? It means that it's making a living and having somewhere to live after you've worked is important to you, right? More important than maybe sleeping in or doing whatever you want to do that day. Your physical presence there and the time that you are putting into that proves that that is, that is a value to you. If you're in a relationship and it's hard for your friends and family to find you because you're always spending time with that person that you love, it probably says that that relationship is really important to you. You're pouring your time into it. So my goal in, in my short part of a sermon today is for us to begin to see the time and energy that God's given us and that we have a free will to choose what to do with as a resource, as a, as a capital, as something that belongs to Him that He's given us to steward. And not just steward and protect, but to invest. To invest in His kingdom, to see increase in the kingdom of God. So, what we want to do today is, is basically kind of ask, where am I spending my time? And then ask the Holy Spirit, where should I be spending my time? Because we all must give an account. We all must give an account for this life, for this time that we're using up 
for this time that we're spending. 2 Corinthians 5.9 says, So we make it our goal to please Him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. Verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. What does that mean? When we die, we will give an account to Jesus for how we spent the time and energy that He gave us during this fleeting, quick life. That's why it's important. We've got to uh, account for it. So that being said, I'm going to have Zach come up and read us this parable in Matthew 25, uh, verse 14 through 30, if you want to read along. For it, he's talking about the kingdom of God. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave, what's the number there? Five talents, to another two, to another one. To each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the talents went at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. <laughs> Sorry. All right. So also he, he who had the two talents made Two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, Good and faithful servant, you have been faithful, faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man. Reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was mine, my own, with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will be given, will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. 
In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Amen. This is God's Word. Pretty intense, pretty awesome parable. I love the way Zach reads it. That's why I invited him to read it. Thank you for that, Zach. And he's going to touch on this a little bit more, but I want to touch on three points really quick from this parable. First of all, the master entrusted his property, his wealth to the servants. What can we learn from that? Everything, everything, everything in our lives is a gift from God. Everything belongs to God and nothing we could ever do could ever change that. We've been given physical capital, time and energy as a gift to steward, to invest, to see how fruitful and productive it can be in God's kingdom. To see how fruitful and productive it can be in, re- in the relationships God's given us, as Zach is going to hit on. And we've been given that time and energy to invest in His kingdom and people and the lives of others. And that is the goal. That's the second point from this p- parable, that the goal is to invest it, not to just sit on it. The goal is to take it and see... To, to go out trusting and full of confidence, what, can, what good can I do with this? With what the Master has given me? What good can I do with the time and the energy that God has given me in my life? Zach may hit on this a little bit later, but if you notice the two servants that came back with an increase, he said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Has anyone ever heard that phrase just in general in Christianity? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Okay, I've got some head nods, all right. That's a pretty common phrase that we hear. Like, I just want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Is it, is it, would you agree? Did you know this is the only time in Scripture that that phrase is used? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And he wasn't just talking about everyone that serves him. He talked about the people who invested what he gave them for an increase in his kingdom. And then third thing, the worst thing that a servant could ever do is just act out of fear. To act out of fear, to only try to maintain, because what he's doing there is really wasting what the master has given him. It's not going to its intended purpose. So the question today moving on is, how are we investing the master's resources? When you step back and take an inventory of your life, how are you spending your time and energy? What are you doing with the time in your life? What What are you doing with the 168 hours each week? Has anyone heard of Mint.com? Yeah. Um, I recently got Mint.com after a few years of Vince telling me to. And it finally wore me down. And it's like a money-managing app that you can use on your phone or or the website or your whatever um, device you have, I guess you could use it on. But uh, it manages and tracks all your different accounts and which money you spent where. And, and it, uh, one of the cool things is that, you know, it has different charts and different budgets. Like you can set up how much you want to uh, give each month. You guys know what a budget is. I don't have to explain that. But um, one time I actually got a, a warning email and it said charity budget exceeded because <laughs> I had given $10 more. And uh, to the church than I had budgeted that month. And I was like, yes! It's like the best email I've gotten. <laughs> Your charity budget is exceeded. But thinking along those lines, if we had a chart, and on this chart was a map, it, it, well, not a map, a chart of your time that you spent in each activity in your life this week, 
what would it look like? If we had a chart of the time and energy you spent, and I mean everything, brushing your teeth, showering, sleeping, working, eating, playing video games, watching TV, getting on Facebook, time with your gospel community, time in prayer, time reading God's word. If someone outside of you looked at a chart of your time and energy, your time and energy investments, what would they say is the priority of your life? What time and energy budget is being exceeded? Which one is being neglected? If we do an inventory of the last week, what does it look like? Would it be, you know, my priority is work? Would it be, ah, oh, it looks like you, you got about, you got a good like level of family time, 39% family time. Would it be love? Would it be security? Would, it, would your priority be being comfortable or having fun or being successful and achieving? Maybe your priority would be others. Maybe it would be giving. Would they say, that your priority is Jesus. It can show up in a lot of different ways, but would it be, man, there's really a priority in that person's life of talking to Jesus in prayer, of loving others, serving others, giving to others, living their life with others. Let's do a personal inventory just for a minute. I'm going I'm to pause for a minute and just ask the question, where are you spending your time? I think that when we look at it that way, it gives us a different kind of perspective, you know? Sometimes you get so busy in the run of life, you just keep moving forward, and you're so in the moment that you don't know where all the moments go. Anyone been there? Just so in the moment that it takes a moment to step back and see, oh, wow, I've really been putting a lot of time and energy into that, and maybe that isn't a priority. So I think just the next part real quick, the, the, uh, the question I want to ask is for us to ask the Holy Spirit, what is the best? If, if, if God's given me the time and energy in my life to invest in his kingdom, where's the best place to invest it? Holy Spirit, what is the best investment portfolio? If I could keep running with that metaphor into the ground. How should we spend our time and energy? How should we invest the physical capital that God has entrusted us with? I think the, the best place to look is just to look to Jesus. One of the verses we've kind of come to every week in this series is John 3.16, which says, For God so loved the world that He what? That He gave gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And there's so much in that verse, but one basic thing we can see is that God's love shows up for us in that He gave us Jesus. He gives us Jesus. There's another verse in, in Mark that says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served. This is Jesus speaking. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve 
and to give His life as a ransom for many. So God's love shows up in giving us Jesus, and Jesus' love shows up for us in coming to serve us. Coming to serve others, to walk with others, to teach others, to point others to the Father, to pray with others, to heal others, to help others. And He even says, give His life as a ransom. To give His very life for others is how Jesus shows us how He spent His time. Does that make sense? So God's love shows up in giving us Jesus. Jesus' love shows up in giving us Himself. And Jesus says in John 13, By this will everyone know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. His love shows up in us when we love one another. So when we ask Holy Spirit, where should we spend our time? What, what should we do with all this energy and time that you've given me? If it really is a gift, if it really is to be stewarded and invested, what should I do with it? The best investment of our time is in loving God and loving others. I was thinking of uh, an example of a time when our gospel community um, really kind of took advantage of this, uh, this whole idea of investing uh, your physical capital in, in the kingdom. And um, it took me back to uh, a year, year and a half ago, um, where our gospel community had gone, gone through a lot of transition, and we were really small. We were four people. <laughs> we barely had enough to call it community. It would have just been gospel or something. <laughs> gospel people. Um, and we wanted to be on mission, and we were still meeting, you know, Remaining faithful to meet every week and and um, kind of go through the story of God and we had done a lot of stuff together and we were, we kept you know we want to be on mission we want to serve the people in our neighborhood and so we were thinking how can we do that how can we actually do that with our time and energy all right let's do a barbecue for the, just the neighbors just our apartment complex just to meet people and um, I remember we were at a Starbucks, kind of planning that out. And we were like, okay, well, we know at some point we have to invite people because that's the way that people will come. And Tyson, um, who was there, is he's definitely like a go-getter, like activator. So we're in the planning meeting, like planning, and we got to the part where we were going to plan to invite. And he's like, why don't we just go do that right now? <laughs> and we're like, what? We're, we got a plan. He's like, no, what's stopping us? Why not? They're right, we're like a block away. Let's go. Okay. So like, okay. <laughs> and uh, we just went right there and we went to, it was eight eight unit complex where uh, Sean and I lived. And um, we just went to every unit and knocked and said, hey, we're doing a barbecue here next week. We'd love to hang out with you guys. And um, and I think that next week we had we had the barbecue and I think someone from six of the seven units that we invited showed up. There was like either 12 or 16 people that we'd never met. And there was one kid who had grown up there like 15 years. And he's like, no one ever has done anything like this to like hang out with people at the apartment complex. This is so cool. And um, that first barbecue is where we met a, a friend named Ashley. And uh, she was not a, not a Christian. She was a Buddhist, but she had been married to a Christian. And I remember like the first thing she asked Sean was, uh, you guys part of a church? And we're like, yeah, 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 we can, yeah, we are. And um, and she's like, okay, well, can you teach me how to pray? Because I want to pray to God, but I don't know if I'm doing it right. <laughs> and 
And uh, so Sean got to talk to her, and that was kind of the beginning there. And then uh, the next barbecue we did, more people came. And then the third barbecue we did, they actually had to ask us to schedule it. And just was a really awesome time of like getting to know our neighbors and s- serve each other and love each other. And um, a lot of you uh, may know of a story. Some of you don't. But Ashley, through the course of that, we began to have more and more conversations with her. And she just began to pray more. And she would come over to our apartment because we lived two doors down and and um, I think one of the biggest things was just being available. Just being available, for, whether it was Sean, my roommate, or me, or anyone else in our gospel community. Being available to have conversations that might take an hour, or might take an hour and a half, to answer questions and, and to give that time and energy to that, you know, after a long day of work or whatever else it was. And, and over the course of time, I remember the night she came over and she was so nervous she couldn't eat. And she just had so much stress going on in her life. And, and you know, she asked if, you know, we could pray with her. And, and we did pray with her. And then she wanted to hear more about the gospel. And Sean told her about the gospel. And then she said, I, that's my time. I want to invite Jesus into my heart tonight. And she did. And I think I told this a few weeks ago. But she told us later, like, she, could, she was so nervous she couldn't eat. And then that, she told us the next day that she went home and had two bowls of rice and slept all night because she hadn't been sleeping either. So... Um, when I think of that, I think that the important part of that was realizing for the people in that gospel community at that time that our time and energy was a capital, was a resource that could be invested and could be used for the kingdom. And the biggest part was just making it available. Like making it available to bless other people, to talk to other people, to pray with other people. Amen? And the thing that's amazing when that happens is that every moment can become holy. It's no longer just this is a sacred moment and this is a secular moment. But every moment in our lives, we realize we can give that over to God. And it's not like there's some time that I own and then, God, you can have this time, this 17% of my week. But that it's all His, amen? It means your work, your hobbies, your family time, your meals, your free time. It's all God's and we have the opportunity to give it to Him. I think the last thing as I turn it over to Zach is just that like we were talking about giving an account at the end of our lives we will give an account to Jesus for what we've done with the time that he's given us I mean what did I do to be here in existence what did I do to be here in this life everything I have in my life is a gift I didn't choose where I was born or who I was born to I didn't choose anything like that. Everything in my life is grace. And if we're going to account for it, I think if it's going to be counted, then make it count. (laughs) If what we do in our lives is going to be counted, then make it count. Ecclesiastes 9 says this, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead where you are going, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. You ever heard of YOLO? This is the original YOLO. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, because you're going to be dead. (laughs) But Colossians 3 says the same uh, sentiment in a different way. Colossians 3 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, 
not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Whatever you do, do it with all your heart as working for the Lord. That's the best way to invest your time. Whatever you're doing, do it as unto the Lord. I'm going to turn it over to Zach with this uh, example. A few weeks ago, I was overwhelmed with my job and I was working long hours leading up to a big event that we did. Um, It was actually this week and I've had like, I was overwhelmed at the time. It was a big fundraising event for a nonprofit um, that I worked for. And um, I've heard like five people this week say, you already had your event, didn't you? And I'm like, how'd you know? Like, you're not stressed out at all. (laughs) And you're here. I can see you. Um, but before the event, it was very stressful and, um, just long days and it was begin. it was bothering me that I didn't have the time to focus on other things that I wanted to do, even stuff with the church. Like all my time, all my physical capital was going to work and I didn't know what to do about it. And, um, I remember I texted Zach one morning before I was heading to work and, uh, he just texted me back and said, have a good one. You're working for Jesus and he loves you. Have a good one. You're working for Jesus and He loves you. And that freed me up so much to remember that everything we do, in word or deed, do it with all our hearts as we're serving the Lord. And that's the best way to investment, invest it and it's going to come back with an increase. Um, I was trying to listen to the Holy Spirit's leading right now. Um, I think what would be good um, is is for me to kind of close this up real quick as far as the talking from the front time um, with one thing. And then what I'm going to ask us to do is is actually to to converse with one another. So the people around you, um, if you need a pen or paper or whatever, uh, get that. But I think it would be good for us to press into this truth and this call to uh, really surrender our time on our efforts to Jesus and to really believe the truth, especially uh, of that last verse that Kenny read, that that when you work, you're working for Jesus. When you play, you're playing for Jesus. And that um, especially, I think, uh, when Jeff Garner was in town a couple months ago, he really emphasized the story that, you know, God is that dad who loves to watch you play. He loves to watch you work, no matter what you're doing. And so I think it's, this is a good time for us to, uh, in community, even just take advantage of this time that we've gathered here to unpack where there is, there is an area in your life where you don't believe that based on your actions. Like I know for me lately, um, there has been a literal pit in my stomach for a few weeks that I have... Um, Really, I'm finding that I've neglected to ask those closest to me to really pray for me uh, for because it's 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 physical and it's spiritual. And even, you know, I, I typically preach week in and week out a lot. And I even coming into this week, for some reason, I have like canker sores, which are like the stress thing that happens in my mouth when I get I don't know why. But beginning to really see and, and be led to repentance, beginning to see. I'm working for for someone other than Jesus when I'm anxious. 
And, and for some of us, it'll be because we cannot, we really believe that if we let go of the control of our coming moments, that God won't know what to do with them and he won't be able to handle it. For some of us, we're afraid of what others might think of us. Like, what if I really created a life with so much margin that I'm giving it away to others who don't deserve it, who are, who are, are not the, the people that are going to get me ahead in life, not the people that the people the world would count as worthy of investing my time and efforts into? What if they found out that I spend my time with the people who the world rejects? What if people find out that instead of working on new systems and structures as a pastor all week, I'm just praying? I mean, that thought literally goes through the head of probably most pastors and leaders in the church and most of us even as Christians. Like, well, what if someone finds out I'm not being productive enough and I'm just praying? I mean, it's, it's, it's laughable but, but real. For some of us, it's because we truly believe when it comes to it. We, we have this unbelief. We're believing the lie of Satan that... Whatever the world offers or whatever our flesh offers, whatever we can find to satisfy ourselves other than God is going to be truly satisfying. You know, even the original temptation that the serpent offered to Eve, it says that that fruit looked good to eat. I mean, Hulu really looks like a good investment of your time sometimes, right? It's gleaming with the green colors that they have. And, and you really, you go to it and you're like, this would just be such a rela- wonderful way to spend my time. And then four hours later, you wonder why you're so drained. And the next morning you wake up and you're like, I was up too late doing that. And, and I don't have the energy to pour into my family the next day. Whatever it is, if you're seeking satisfaction, you're seeking maybe living for your own fame, your own glory instead of God's. And so you, you, you must spend your time on these things that are going to make you look good. Or for some of us, we're trying to prove ourselves. We're really trying to prove ourselves even to God with the way we spend our time. And, and if we just let go of the lie that says that you have an ounce of proving left to do. We would become the most generously loving, giving of our time people that we can imagine. And so I want us to take a moment, and what I just listed off, you can list down, and it was a kind of a memory tool we use called the four G's. So God is great, so you don't have to be in control. So if it's control, examine together how, how you can let go of that. If God is glorious, so you don't have to fear others. So if it has to do with fear of man, it's you need to see and worship God for His glory. God is good, so you don't have to look elsewhere for satisfaction. If you're looking other places for satisfaction and your heart level, it's not believing that God is really gooder than anything. He's the best tasting. He's the best friend. And that's, that's all I want to say about the relational capital today is, is to close it with that, is to say you cannot be your best friend's best friend unless you draw near to Jesus so you know the Father's heart for that friend. You want to be great friends, you want to have great relationships, abide in Christ.
Jesus made you. He made your friends. He counts every, he knows every hair on your head by, by name. He, he names every hair on your head. He sees every bird that falls from the sky, and yet he cares so much more about you, especially those of you who have placed your faith in him. How much more does he love you now that you're his own? So if you want to love me, if you want to love your family, you want to love your friends, get to know their creator, get to know their true best friend who has placed his very spirit inside of them and knows them from the inside out, and he will teach you how to show grace and love and give you the vision for their life that he has that is filled with grace. And the good news about that is is that it doesn't depend on our ability to work up having great relationships. But it's as Jesus said, I do nothing except what the Father tells me to do. And you can do nothing apart from Christ. And what you hear that is freeing. Because He is here for us and He is the better friend in so many ways. So, so right now, just turn to the couple people around you and we're going to turn on a little bit of music for a couple minutes and just unpack when it comes to your time and your time spent with, with giving to each other, what traps you from truly being generous with your time and begin to discuss that and see how God is better. And God frees us to be generous with our time. So let's just take a few minutes. Turn to the people around you and do that.